You are listening to Church Work Orange, and this is part two of our discussion in James. I'm Chelsea, and I'm the music director of Orange Presbyterian Church in Orange County, Virginia. And the other voice you'll be hearing is Reverend Rebecca Tucker Motley, also of Orange Presbyterian Church. We like to talk about what goes on behind the scenes planning the services for each week, and we also like to talk about our experiences working in a rural church. In this episode, we are transitioning out of a sermon series called Living and Dying in Christ into Stewardship Season, and we are bridging the gap by talking about faith and the book of James. That we kind of dropped, we're still considered a Matthew 25 church, but I think like the call to eradicate systemic poverty kind of fell to the wayside. Yeah, we're working on number three right now, which is recharging the Re- Revitalizing Kari. <laughs> yeah, which... Yeah, what, which yeah. I think is like out of necessity. The default right now is like everyone is trying to revitalize their congregation. Right, and I think that's the thing. And I think, um, yeah, yes. Um, so anyway, we had started um, back in the summer. Back in the summer, just you know, like a month ago. <laughs> what is time? What is time? We started doing a Matthew twenty five study. So the plan was to do three hour-long sessions just talking about this Matthew 25 initiative and what that means for our congregation. And we had a really long conversation in one of those meetings about eradicating systemic poverty. And it's just like, how in the world are we supposed to eradicate systemic poverty? Like, how, what, is that, what does that even look like? Sure. Um, so back to James. So I'm... I'm studying this passage in James and talking about how faith without works is dead. Um, And in my head, um, you know, us pastors like to preach on relevant things that are going on in our congregation. That's kind of the whole point. (laughs) So (laughs) I have this conversation about this Matthew 25 initiative going on in my head. Um, And so I kind of wanted to to marry those two about how our, our faith calls us to to action. Our faith calls us to um, be God's hands and feet in the world. And so I wanted to talk about how we we maybe can't eradicate systemic poverty. Maybe we can't. But maybe we can. I talked a lot about in this sermon about how we have certain expectations of God. And Sometimes we get really frustrated when God doesn't act the way we expect God to act. Um, And that can be seen as doubt or lack of faith when, you know, somebody we love dies and we we question why that happened, why God allowed that to happen. I don't think that's a lack of faith. I think that is a sign of great faith Mm -hmm. when you question why God allowed something to happen. Because we don't question things that we don't expect right like so if we if we didn't have faith that god could cure our loved one of covid and then our loved one dies of covid if we didn't expect that then we wouldn't be upset about it right Mm -hmm. but the fact that it didn't happen the way that we had prayed about and begged god that god didn't just send a miracle to cure our loved one and we we get frustrated and we we scream and we cry and we de- and we we beg and we demand God to answer us. 
hello, that's because we have faith that God could have done it and then God didn't act the way that we expect God to act. Um, and I think that's a totally like acceptable form of faith. And I think we see that throughout the whole biblical witness. Um, and I, I referred to a lot of those in my sermon. We see Jacob wrestling with the angel. Um, we see Jesus crying out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now we know that Jesus was quoting a psalm, but he chose that particular psalm right. to quote. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this like begging and debating with God. I mean, that's our biblical, that's our, our, our faith heritage. So, so this sermon is, it was kind of all about this relationship between our call, our wrestling with our faith and that wrestling leading us to a deeper understanding of what God is calling us to do. So yeah, okay, God can do, God is omniscient. We believe God is omniscient. God could do whatever God wants to do. So yeah, God could come down and fix everything, right? But that's not the way God chooses to act. God calls us to act. And God calls us to be God's hands and feet in the world. And so back to systemic poverty, it's a really big call. And we could pray and ask God to come and eradicate systemic poverty. But maybe the way God is acting is by putting it on our hearts and leading us to eradicate systemic poverty. So the, the, so I just married those two ideas of this, you know, our faith without works is dead. Well, what, what, what is our faith leading us to do? Well, through the discernment of the session and the, um, the work of the church, it's to eradicate systemic poverty. So what are we going to do now? Um, and yeah, so that was kind of what that sermon was all about. Sure. Did that make any sense at all? Yeah. No, it's always interesting, like, hearing the, the like, post notes, if you will, right? <laughs> it's been incredibly validating for someone like me who does have these really big questions, and I feel like that is considered doubt and considered, like, I don't know, just, it's, I think when I have these conversations with some people, it's easy, it's easily dismissed. It's like, well, your faith isn't great enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I feel like if I am to arrive at any some sort of faith, it has to be by ask, like not being afraid and not being chastised for asking these really big questions. Because I'm not questioning like whether or not there is a God. I think it would be a really sick joke if there weren't. But <laughs> like, So I feel like there has to be, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, is like I need to like my arrival point is going to come from a series of questions right right so I personally felt like it was incredibly validating because I also know that people who have a have a very I think it's easy to put on as a what I'm observing of people who I know would claim they are Christians and are trying to win others for Christ that's a really cringy term but like People who really act actively um, express and talk about their faith and encourage faith upon other people, I think they dismiss this whole, uh, or they try, I'm not saying this eloquently at all, but they try really hard to not give the impression that there's doubt in that mm-hmm. faith, right? Yeah. I like being the co-host of this podcast, but I also like don't want to lead people to believe that I am this like devout christian yeah because i'm not you know and i don't want people to think that i don't want my non-christian friends to think that i'm putting on a facade and i don't want my christian friends to think that i am like saved sure 
And so it's like an interesting place where it's like I get incredible joy and validation out of coming to this church where I feel free and loved and encouraged to be here in any capacity that's healthy for me. And like people are just really grateful to have me around and that feels great because I feel like that's what I need to like, like realistically if I am going to be saved, it's going to be the result of people who are showing un- unconditional love. Right. Like, Christ's love to me, right? Yeah. But it's, it's well, an interesting Well, and can space. I just stop you right there? Because I think that's a really great representation of this, like, controversy of James. Because, as I've said now twice, I'll say it a third time, we are saved by grace. Mm. Alone. So it's not, like, you know, these people are saying you have to be saved. Well, I am saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so it, it hurts me as... A pastor and as somebody who is so deeply devoted to my faith to hear you say that because I think one of my favorite ways to look at faith and religion or whatever is this quote I, I can't remember I don't know who to attribute to so take that for what it is but it's um I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that cannot be questioned. Ooh. Um, if we're if we're still if there's a thread of this that is like still about anything <laughs> that I shared, I think what I hope resonates if, if you're listening to this podcast is like if if you are one of those people who is really concerned about sharing Christ's love with your friends and family to quote unquote win them for Christ. And if that's the call that you're living towards, the best way to do that is to just show unconditional love and to support that person on their path to faith, even if that looks vastly different from yours. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what the people of OPC, specifically you, have done with me. And, like, that is the source of a lot of healing. So... Well, I'm glad. The real affirmations I probably should have said on Sunday... <laughs> no, and well, and I think that's a really great segue because our second passage in James, um, I'm going to read it because it was a nightmare to me. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, it was just, I'm going to read it so that everyone can kind of hear what it was that I had to discern. So the passage was James 3, 1 through 12. I'm just going to read this. This is the NRSV. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds, of reptile and sea creatures can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Creator, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. 
My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring for pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Dense. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I struggled so hard with this because I, I, I just, I couldn't see the good news in it. Mm. Um, you know, that's what, one of the questions that I ask every time I go to write a sermon is, where's the good news? And I'm like, mm. I, I mean, this could have, like, for, this could have been just out of, like, anything. Like, there's nothing to me that said, you know, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, mm. Stop saying bad things about people. It's like, okay, like, I, how do I turn that into a sermon? Right. Um, and I just, I struggled so hard with this. I really struggled with it. Um, and I think I sat down to write this four or five times before I actually got anywhere with it. Um, so what I eventually just had to do was, you know, talking about... It talks about the tongue and words. I'm like, okay, words, 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 words. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. That's the prayer I start every sermon with. I'm like, okay, words. I wrote that down. Words, 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 words. Let us say together what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. That's what we do every Sunday. Wrote that down. And and I still just like, okay, these are things we do in, in service. You know, what does that mean? And so, you know, just kind of write down, like, you know, stop saying bad things about people. And this led me to realize that, and and I also was reading commentaries about how it's like, this is a, a, you know, how our word, like the words we say about people really, it means it, it, it matters. Like when we say that, you know, when we are do use like microaggressions and racist buzzwords and things like that it really it it means something especially coming from the house of god right and so i'm like looking at it that way looking at it this way and then i realize sometimes the most unchristian we the people we act the most unchristian to most of the time is ourselves Mm. um and so i kind of want to just talk about how these words that we say really mean it matters what we say so last week we had talked about how our actions mean something and so then we're talking about now this week how our words mean something um and so the idea just kind of came together about how illustrating the words that we use not just on sunday morning but throughout the whole week is a reflection of our faith just like our actions are a reflection of our faith um, so that's kind of how that sermon came to be. So I actually had a lot of fun preaching this sermon. As difficult as it was to write, it was so much fun preaching it. So um, just to give you a glimpse, when I first wrote the sermon, I wanted to talk about this thing called the brief statement of faith, which is what was, which was a statement of faith that was written when the PCUSA was two two congregation two denominations merged to become the PCUSA in 1983 and um, in that merging they wrote the brief statement of faith um, and then I kind of segued into how the words that we say in our statements of faith 
matter and how those words should be a reflection of our faith life of faith. So when I wrote the sermon, my opening was about the brief statement of faith, but it was very matter of fact. It was very just factual. Like I started at something like, in 1983, the United Presbyterian Church of the United States of America and the Presbyterian Church in the United States merged to become the PCUSA. And in that merging, they wrote something called the Brief Statement of Faith. It starts with, in life and in death, we belong to God. And I was practicing it. I'm boring myself. Like This is so boring. Yes. And it wasn't until like Saturday night or Sunday morning that I got the idea to, like, let's turn it into a game show. That was fun. It was so much fun. I had so much fun preaching it. So what I did was I turned it into a trivia game. I said, you know, I started out with saying, like, okay, raise your hand if you know what denomination we're part of. And, of course, a lot of hands raised. I think everybody raised their hand. Yeah. Um, and then I said, okay, do you raise your hand if you know which two denominations merge to create the PCUSA? And I don't know, maybe like two hands raised. Former pastor who's in this I church know. He, everything. He did, but he didn't. He wouldn't like answer the questions. Yeah, or at least not that I could hear. Yell it out. Right? Can't be shy. Um, and so like it was really interactive and really fun, and I was I just find it so interesting. And this I I find that this happens more often than not that the sermons I struggle the most with often become the most effective sermons. Is there almost like an element of like, well, s- screw it. I mean, it's gonna, do, it'll be what it'll be. Right. And then it kind of loosens you up a bit more. That, and I feel like it's like when I say like, I, I, I got nothing. Yeah. That's when like, that's me kind of allowing the Holy Spirit to take over. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, because when I look at a passage, like especially well-known passages, it's like, yeah, I could write this sermon in my sleep. Sure. And that's why I feel like well-known passages often have the worst sermons because yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, good Samaritan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Be a good person. Good person. So anyway, so we started out with a game show and then I posed the question, why does it matter that we say what we believe? And I got some really good responses yeah. and I cannot remember what those responses are. So one of them was, um, it affirms my faith. Yeah. Another one was, I think it's like, this is this tradition that connects me to the people who have believed before. Yeah. And I really liked that response. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other one was like, it's way easier to memorize than books of the Bible. <laughs> I was like, true, man. Like, they're really true. It was informative. Like, I want to interject and talk about someone who hasn't, who was not raised in this denomination. It was very informative and enlightening to me. Because when I came to this denomination from Southern Baptist land, which is basically free for all, sure, there I was very turned off to the concept of liturgy, catechism, common book of like Book of Common Prayer. Like I was really turned off by these things because I, especially when I was bouncing churches and I saw them and like not to call out the Episcopal Church here, but like my exposure outside of the Southern Baptist community has been non-denominational megachurch. Episcopal Church and OPC. So when I've seen, I went from like one extreme to the other, and I was really turned off by a lot of these things, Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, because they just felt so ritualistic. Mm. And it really felt to me like, okay, great, we're like 
saying all these things every week, but it really felt like a ritual and not something that has power behind it. And so that's been my biggest like chip on my shoulder and a big thing that turns me off from this denomination is because I think one of the cool things about that denomination is that there's a ton of emphasis on the personal relationship, the personal spiritual feeling, the personal like connection where you, it's a strong emphasis on feeling connected to Christ and listening intently and reading intently and being very intentional about everything that you do. And so it really felt like a culture shock when I came mm-hmm. to this kind of church where that, it to me came across as like unintentional. Where it's like, I'm just saying these things because this is what we do. Gotcha. And so I was really like, it's kind of been a huge question mark in my head about like why we have liturgy, why we have the Book of Common Prayer and all this stuff. So that was really cool. Like hearing on Sunday why this matters to people and like, especially the one that spoke true is like, you're going to tell me that you're going to try to like memorize all these psalms like we've got versions of the psalms that are here and yeah. we've got a statement of faith and i was like oh like that actually makes a lot of sense now yeah yeah well i'm i'm glad to know that my sermons are are effective <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think like almost doubly so because like i didn't come from this denomination yeah. so like any time that you preach about anything that has historical context about PCUSA, like, you've got me on the edge of my pew because I'm, like, always, like, what's going on here? I know nothing, you know? I'll keep that. I'll make a mental note of that. Yeah. Also, just a little bit of a a tangent, but just on that same note, I had somebody come up to me on Sunday and say, your sermon made me cry. And I was, like... I didn't know what to say. And right. so what I said was I was super awkward about it. I was like, good. Like, and then I was like, that's like, why did I say that? Because I never know what to say when people say stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, what are you supposed to say? Like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. That's like when I, yeah, I, yeah, I have no idea. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good, you would have been just as awkward as I was. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think if someone came up to me. Well, okay, well, so the, and I'm sure you were going to get to this, but the other part of Sunday was that um, you encouraged us to all stand and affirm one another. Yeah, yeah. And when people came up to me and, like, said these beautifully heartfelt things, I was just, like, so, so focused on what I was going to try to say to this other person, because I, I don't know if I necessarily excel in this area, and I also don't know if I necessarily have the foundation to say something heartfelt to a lot of the people at OPC, because I'm very, like, hands-off, like, mm-hmm. I'm very, like, come, do the thing, I'm kind, like, I really enjoy the people that I encounter, but very much like sometimes I even have to work after. So I'm very much like, you know, go out the back door and leave. And so I was like, okay, like this is really cool. I can recognize that this is a really powerful thing that we're about to do. We're going to get up and we're going to speak our heart to other people. And I was like so concerned about what I was going to say that when people were saying these heartfelt things to me, I was so awkward about it. Yeah. And I was just like, I wish I would have had prep time. Right? <laughs> because I feel like even now the things that I've, we've talked about today have been really the, the truth of my heart that I've been trying to speak to affirm you. But, like, none of that came out on Sunday. <laughs> I don't even know what I said on Sunday. I think I said, like, back at you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, like, afterwards at home my husband said, so did people say nice things to you? And I was like, I'm sure that they did. I don't remember what it was, though. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, yeah, it was... 
I was definitely very, very awkward about it. Um, so I can see why if someone said to you, oh, that sermon made me cry, I would also be like, thanks? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but this, the cool thing is, like, the sentiment is so powerful. And yeah. I remember, like, when Keith, my husband, asked me, he wasn't able to be there on Sunday, he was traveling. When he asked me how church was, I was like, I wish you could have been there. Aww. Like, it was so... It was so meaningful, and I think he also would have gotten, because he also is not from, he's from, he's like half Lutheran, half Methodist, like, I don't even know how that happens, but it happened, and so, like, I think he also would have enjoyed the sermon for a lot of the same reasons that I do, I did, but, like, those, those really good feelings of, like, it doesn't even matter how awkward any of us were, just the fact that we were out of our seats, making that heartfelt effort to say something kind and meaningful about the other person, that has, like, a long-standing impact. I don't even remember what people said to me all that much. I remember you said something about me making your uh, job more enjoyable. That's cool. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It's, like, it's it doesn't... It's, like... it do, It's not about what you say. It's how you make the other person feel. Yeah. And so when you're saying really kind things that are building up... And that was kind of the whole point of the sermon. Um, so, okay, so to inform you all what we've been talking about. So we've been... T- <laughs> So we started out talking about why words matter and just this idea that oftentimes what we say and how we act don't are not always like great representations of our faith. Um, and we're all guilty of it. Sure. Um, but the but the fact is that there is a perception of the church that church folk are hypocritical. Um, you know, we say we love our neighbors as ourselves, but then we support or we don't support, you know, X, Y, and Z of people being oppressed. Um, And so the idea was that, well, let's practice having our words reflect what it is that we believe. And we believe um, that we do love our neighbors as ourselves. So I had everyone stand up on Sunday morning and affirm each other and just kind of in our little microcosm of Orange Presbyterian Church practice you know, showing and and saying our love to our neighbors. Um, and with the idea of being like, okay, like we've built each other up. Now let's go out to the world and, and continue doing that, right? Continue having our words and our actions and our faith kind of be reflections of each other. Um, and like we said, it was just this really wonderful experience of like lifting people up and also being lifted up by other people and apparently making people cry. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would be cool. Like, I think the going back to the sentiment that I was sharing before, where like I think sometimes if we do, if we repeat things too much, it can become ritualistic. But I do, and it, for me, like it's hard for me to continue to find meaning in repetitive things. Um, which to go on a huge tangent, I think is why I really like classical music above all, is because <laughs> like. If it's too repetitive for me, I'm just, like, saying it, fam, you yeah. know? Um, but I think it would, it would be really cool to, like, do that again at some point. What, I don't know yeah. what that would look like. But I think it was also really special, too, because there there is something special about having 30 people in a church. You know, there there's a reason why some people really do, like, and prefer smaller churches. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that is because there is a higher level of engagement. Like, when, like, Sunday was was so meaningful and I think because 
if you were to put that in a megachurch environment... Oh, it would be a disaster. Yeah, yeah. You, would, you would be limited to the people who are in your pew, probably alone. People you've probably never even met. Yeah. Um, or people you've only recognized because of... You only really recognize leaders in that church. Right. So you would just have, like... It just really wouldn't share... I mean, I'm sure this... I'm not... This is just too much of a blanket statement to say, like... The same thing wouldn't scale, but it, I, f- I find it hard to think that it would scale, and I think that it was yeah. part of the magic of like we talk about a lot on this podcast the experience unique to rural churches and older churches. But one benefit of having a really small church is that the the it has a it packs a real punch, you know. Yeah, 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 and that and COVID has limited so much of what we can do, and so being able to get up and talk to people. Um, we used to pre-COVID would have a time of passing the peace where that's kind of what we would do. We would say peace be with you and also with you. And we just haven't done that since COVID we've done, we stand up and wave at people, which is nice, but it's not the same as engaging folks and, you know, taking that time to say like, I'm really glad to see you. And so it was just, this was just like an opportunity that I just took and I didn't even ask the safety team. I just yeah. did it. Right. Yeah, I don't have to <laughs> right. And so. yeah. But yeah, it's been it, it yeah. I I got a lot out of it and I it seems like other folks got a lot out of it as yeah. well. So I mean it, it kind of reminds me of just like like the passage that you read, the twelve verses that you read to talk, that was the inspiration behind this. I'm not a pastor by any means, but if I were to like the thing I can think about is if I were to ask to write a paper on this, what yeah. where would I start? And I think my thing is like the butterfly effect comes through in there too, right? Where it's like you put a bridle on a horse, you can control its whole body. Yeah. Like, the butterfly effect is if you just say to one person and you really mean it, I'm glad to see you today, that is a good feeling that will transcend and, like, stay with you, resonate, if you right. will, for a, a long time. And I think that, like, that is what came through in the sermon for me. And even what comes through in that passage is, like, which is a really weird, long-winded, <laughs> way, of saying that, long-winded way of saying that, but... You know, butterfly effect. The do not discount the small actions, and as it pertains to OPC being a Matthew twenty five church with three incredibly arduous calls, don't discount the 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 effect of the blessing box, which right. is probably the biggest thing that we're doing right now, or opening it up to the blood drive. You know, like the things that we are doing, although are small and limited right now are contributing to a much greater whole in this community yeah yeah so that's that's what we did with james we kind of had a little mini tangent on faith and action and words and coming up next is stewardship and we'll talk about that so yeah so the hymn oh right hymns was gotta have faith and yeah, then the hymn of stewardship is money, 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 by Abba. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. there we go. I mean, should we talk about them? Why not? Um. Uh. Yeah. I don't have them written down on my on your calendar. My calendar, like I thought I did. So that's okay. We'll do that in part two. <laughs> been fun. It's been weird. real. It's been a little too real this episode. A little too real. I expect a lot of uh, like awkward transitions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, future Chelsea. When you. This one. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, just send it to Ralph. Honestly, really tempted. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, uh, okay. well, thanks, Ralph. Future Ralph. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>